We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. Thank you for coming in with us and joining us. Uh, a lot to cover. You probably got yourself pretty educated with Andrea Kay a few minutes ago, but now it's time to take it up a notch or continue the fun or however you want to say it, uh, which reminds me, Andrea Kay in a few weeks, Andrea Kay and I will both be in CPAC in Washington, D.C. or outside of Washington in Maryland at CPAC with thousands and thousands of others broadcasting from there. And that'll be fun as it was uh, last year. So we'll look forward to that. And you should, too. Uh, now... I'm going to get to what you need to know, but let me wrap up a few other things. I mentioned yesterday, and I got some texts from some folks. Uh, one of you, um, Al, mentioned that you wanted to be a part of it, so I sent you the information. You were on it today, I assume. Uh, today, Earlier today, I did the first of a uh, webinar called The Constitution According to Donald President Trump. Not Donald Trump, According to President Trump. And the premise, it was the introductory lesson today, the premise of this is that we are going to study the Constitution because and uh, and in uh, light of President Trump. And uh, it was a good start today. We talked about what we're going to do more than we started to do it. Uh, but from the Electoral College to birthright citizenship to the separation of powers to war powers, uh, all these different kinds of things are impeachment, emoluments clause. It feels like the opposition to Donald Trump has attacked him in almost every way they can under the Constitution. And it's going to it was great to start the course. It'll be every Wednesday be less than an hour total. Um, uh, today's was about 45 minutes. Uh, we'll do some, I'll do some, uh, kind of, uh, teaching and then take questions and, uh, and we'll, we'll, so if you're interested, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's where I work and my day job at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. phyllisschlafly.com. You'll see there's a icon in the corner. You can click on that and find out more. It's a, an effort of Project Pro America, which is uh, another cool project we're doing. So check that out if you'd like. Again, phyllisschlafly.com. In a minute, by the way, one of the topics that we talk about in the Constitution, according to President Trump, is judges, is judges. In a few minutes, we'll talk with Mike Davis, who is a part of the Article 3 Project, which is an effort to get good judges confirmed. And there's news on another judge uh, who is confirmed up to the Court of Appeals. And we'll hear from uh, Mike Davis on that. He's an old friend of the show. Very good guy. One of the guys that helped get uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch through and a super guy. So we will do that in a few moments. Now, let me, um, well, let me tell you what you need to know. You're, you're dying to get the lowdown on it, and it seems like it flies so fast. It goes so um, quickly, uh, time, that you feel like, well, New Hampshire was, um, you know, a week ago. No, no, it was yesterday. And so here is the deal uh, with the New Hampshire. As I predicted, uh, Joe Biden did terribly. So did Elizabeth Warren. Both of their campaigns are over. And whether they announce that they're getting out of the race uh, tomorrow or Friday or next week, it's over um, for two reasons. One, neither one of them can make an argument that they're uh, the candidate who can win. They're losing, losing, losing. And so people, especially Biden, are saying, yeah, I thought you were supposed to be the one that was a winner. Uh, the second reason, the real reason, is politics, like a lot of things, requires money. It requires a lot of money. 
And even if you're not going to raise the money into your own campaign, you're going to use super PACs, which is what Biden's doing. Elizabeth Warren is not doing that. Even if you're going to do that, you have to uh, have a path to do it. And investors, which is to say people that pay to support your campaign, especially big money guys and gals, they're not going to invest in somebody who comes in fourth or fifth out of New Hampshire. It's just not going to happen. And so whether the real reason is uh, ever known or people say it, they will use the fact that both are failing and flailing as uh, Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden as a reason to bail on them. So that's that. I mean, you could take that to the bank. That's as sure as shooting. Now, back to the other three. Klobuchar has made the biggest impression in my mind. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Buttigieg is starting to talk like Obama. He's, he's in the Obama cadence and talking like Obama and sort of trying to look like Obama. I don't think that works for him. And Bernie is Bernie. Bernie is um, 100%, in my mind, 100% powered by the full-on progressive true believer movement. And that's Bernie bros and, and Bernie folks plus AOC. AOC was on the stage last night at the last rally. There was like 7,000 people at a huge rally. And then AOC was at the uh, the celebration party, victory party. This is not. Uh, this is a, uh, a movement... Of true believers. I don't think it's 50% of the Democrat Party yet. It seems like it's smaller than that, but it's strong. And in politics, like um, we've talked about before, intensity and enthusiasm make up for a lot of other things. And you say, oh, well, Bernie's got a grassroots army, but is it, does he have enough money? Well, that's the thing with Bernie now. In 2019, Bernie Sanders raised just under $100 million from 5 million contributions. That's real money. That's real power. And frankly, the key to that is the 5 million contributions because you can go back to them. You go back to your donors at least twice, sometimes three times, sometimes more. And they become frequent, frequent givers. You know, that I, I was told once, I ran for, when I ran for office the first time, someone told me, if you get $20 from somebody, you'll get $20 from them again twice more. It's hard to move them up, but you'll get it twice more if you ask enough. And I'll be darned if it wasn't true. When somebody give you 50 bucks, you'd get $50 twice more if you asked enough. It was hard to get him to give 100 or grow to something bigger. And so Bernie Sanders has this uh, built-in army of givers, not just army of uh, people who believe in him. So uh, Sanders plus AOC, strong. Buttigieg, uh, to me, he's a boutique candidate, a kind of boutique candidate. The, the uh, gay uh, community has embraced him. They, people feel good about that and all. I just don't see. He, can't, he won't get a single African-American vote as far as I can tell. Well, it's not fair. I'll get some, but he won't get much. Which brings us to the last two people in the field, one really in the field, and the other one sitting on the sidelines ready to go, and that's Klobuchar, who had a great night. Her speech was phenomenal. She actually seemed, she didn't seem wooden. She seemed like a pretty charismatic lady. I mean, it was pretty darn good. I, was, I, I'm not, I wasn't ready to be impressed, and I was impressed. And then, of course, Biden. Biden, who spent yesterday fighting off the uh, stop and frisk questions and all that. But by the end of the night, he was looking at it saying, hey, I got my billions and billions of billions and billions of dollars. And I can sit out here and wait for Super Tuesday and let these guys all fade away and uh, mix it up. Remember, Nevada, which comes next, is a caucus state, which is choppy. It's always hard to do caucus. And... Nevada's dominated in the Democrat caucus by the unions, SEIU and the other service unions, because there's so many workers in uh, in Vegas and in, in uh, throughout uh, Nevada. So you're going to see um, a a uh, what the result's going to be is going to I think is going to be uh, driven by where the union ends up, and they're not going to go with um, 
uh, Biden. Once Biden became a loser, a clear loser, they're going to move on. It's just a c- completely predictable. So now the question is, they're not going to go to Klobuchar. They're not going to go to Buttigieg. I think they go to uh, Bernie. And so what if Bernie goes through and blows through Nevada and comes out with 40% of the vote or something like that? I think suddenly it really becomes... Remember, Bernie Sanders, despite what the headlines say, the headlines say things like Buttigieg has a great night, Klobuchar surging. But the real headline is Bernie Sanders, avowed socialist, just won Iowa and he won New Hampshire. He won more votes in both places. Whatever the rules of delegates doesn't matter. He won more votes. To me, it doesn't matter. He won He won it. And the media is desperately trying to not cover that. They don't want you to think of that. That's, that's a worry for them. That's too much trouble. That can lead to bad things. But that's the truth. That's what we have there. That's the, that's the reality of last night. What you need to know is that Bernie is surging with AOC by his side. And at the end of this period, the only thing that probably has a chance to stop Bernie is Bloomberg's billions. And if Bernie gets stopped by Bloomberg's billions, and, the, and remember what I said, the Bernie people are true believers. They're true believers. And true believers, when they get beat by somebody's billions, they're not going to come along and say, okay, then I'll be for Bloomberg. No way. So the true believers in Team Bernie... Are going to uh, are going to be uh, either left on the sidelines or they're going to be mad, and all you have to do is have them be lacking in intensity, and the game's over. So that's what you got to watch for. That's what you need to know. That's what's coming, and uh, we'll look for it. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk with Mike Davis, uh, formerly on the Judiciary Committee um, staff really good guy, and he is currently uh, head of the Article 3 project. He'll talk about what's going on with judges in general, and in specific, and specifically, a judge who was confirmed just yesterday. Uh, big news. We'll get all that from Mike Davis after this break. It's Ed Martin. You're listening to the Pro-America Report on The Answer. We'll be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. And, you know, we talk a lot about judges. Uh, mostly we talk about judges that uh, do dumb things and then sometimes ones that do good things. And more and more, there are more judges doing good things because President Trump and the Republican Senate have got folks through. Well, our old friend Mike Davis, who used to work for the Senate for one of the uh, committees up there and do things in the building, and the, is now uh, the head of the Article 3 Project. You go to Article 3, the number 3, article3project.org, and you can find out. Uh, more about that. It's um, it's a purpose is to help people understand exactly what's going on with the judges that President Trump has appointed and uh, why the confirming them is important and what about them. So what came to my attention is a new judge, Judge Andrew Brasher of Alabama, was just confirmed to the 11th Circuit. He got a little bit of attention. The Democrats were screaming about him, but he got through. But first of all, welcome, uh, Mike Davis. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me back on, Ed. Uh, it's great to have you on. And, and uh, first of all, it's so many, so many judges. I started to ask you off the air. How many judges now have the Trump administration uh, confirmed with the, the Republicans in the Senate, their work? What's the number up to? So we are at 192 Article Three judges, including Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, an all-time record pace, 51 federal circuit judges on the, the critically important federal courts of appeals, and then uh, over, uh, I'm, I've lost track now, over 126, I think. Uh, well, whatever yeah. it is, the, 
Well, I mean, we have, I'd have to go back and look, but we're at, we're at 192 judges total. And, uh, Mike, we're talking with Mike Davis again. And on, on Twitter, I'm trying to make sure it's at M-R-D-D-M-I-A. What does that mean, Mike? Why'd you do that to me? What, I mean, what does that stand for? <laughs> it's uh, Those are my initials and then Des Moines, Iowa, which is my hometown. Oh, Okay, there you go. All right, that's good. That makes it easier. Yeah. Okay, because you're a Grassley guy originally, or among your many uh, many stops in in service to this country. Okay, so um, I guess my question I'm going to say next is the way the Republican Senate they they had an impeachment, they had all kinds of things going. On. I just keep grinding them out. I, what number do you think is possible by the end of this first term? What do you think could be the, the total Article Three judges confirmed? If you had to sort of venture a guess. We'll be well over 200 Article Three judges uh, by the end of President Trump's first term. And just to put this in perspective, right now, President Trump has appointed 51, um, 51 uh, federal circuit court judges at this same point. Uh, so to put that in perspective, so 51 for President Trump right now in three years. Yeah. President Obama only uh, only appointed 55 federal circuit court judges in his, his entire eight-year presidency. So President Trump is doing a phenomenal job on the appointment of federal judges, especially at the federal circuit level. It, uh, if you look at the types of judges he, he's appointing, these are judges who President Trump said he would appoint when he campaigned for office. These are judges who follow the law instead of just making it up, like liberal judicial activists do. It's, uh, we're talking again with uh, Mike Davis, and uh, his uh, the website for his um, Article 3 project is Article 3, the, le- the number 3, project.org. Um, okay, because I just can't stand to not ask you, how many, if, if 55 was all Obama got in two terms, is it possible Trump gets 55 in his first term? Well, I mean, the, the issue is, is we have to have vacancies, and so... We have uh, one more after after this. I, we have one more vacancy to fill down on the Fifth Circuit in Mississippi. So that puts us at fifty-two. I would say uh-huh. to uh, every every Republican appointed federal circuit judge and district court judge out there who wants to uh, uh, leave office w- with a Republican appointed judge, we have a very short window of opportunity here over the next couple months where these. Current judges can either go senior, which is semi-retired, or they can just retire, and uh, so the president can appoint, appoint their replacements. And so uh, I think President Trump's going to win re-election, but uh, just in case, uh, I would much rather have <laughs> President Trump uh, yeah. President Trump fill these slots than, you know, President uh, Mayor Pete or whoever the heck the Democrats are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys got to get game. Don't, don't do that to me, Mike. I'm, I just blacked out. Um, now, Mike, uh, Andrew Brasher, maybe, he already maybe, was a judge. I was going to say Go maybe ahead. Hillary makes a comeback. Who knows? Anyway, uh, oh my gosh, Mike! Come on. I mean, maybe uh, it's it's good entertainment, but it's it's but I'm I just blacked out again. I mean, I, I threw up in my mouth. Um, hey, Mike. Um, Andrew Brasher is from uh, Alabama. Now, the thing about this guy, it surprised me. He's he's moved up to the Eleventh Circuit. He had been already confirmed to the district court, so they did all the vetting and all that. And obviously, I mean, maybe some Democrats didn't like him. But what was the fight over with Brasher, and and where did the where did the sort of fault lines in the battle to get him moved? up uh, to the 11th circuit uh, where, where were they those you know in this battle so judge andrew brasher is right out of central casting this guy is a phenomenal pick for the 11th circuit um harvard law school he clerked on the 11th circuit uh right after law school 
He served as uh, Alabama's top appellate lawyer. And this is this is the key thing here. Even the uh, even the liberal American Bar Association, the ABA, uh, unanimously said that Brasher, Judge Brasher, was well qualified to serve. That is, you know, Chuck Schumer, the Democrats say that's supposedly their their gold standard. If you can get an ABA right. unanimously well qualified, ready, you can't beat that. Um, especially right. from you know, it's a liberal ABA. And the, the Democrats, you know, they they pull their stale, they pull out their stale playbook that they always do, and so they try to stir the pot. They have, you know, this this white guy down in Alabama, so they need to stir the racial pot. So they say that Judge Brasher is anti-minority, he's anti-women, he's anti-immigrant, he's anti-gay. You know, the, the typical thing that the Democrats do, and it's just it's it's complete made up garbage it's 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 uh it's unbelievable what they're doing and i mean and just to show you the evidence of why this is garbage if you look at the aba's rating so they the aba says Mm -hmm. that judge brasher is at the top of the heap with his unanimously well-qualified rating some of the things they look at on this aba rating are judicial temperaments and if you look at what the aba says about judicial temperaments some of the things that they look at nominees compassion decisiveness open-mindedness, courtesy, patience, this is the key one, freedom from bias and commitment to equal justice under the law. So how can this liberal ABA look at Judge Brasher's background and unanimously say that he's at the top of the heap, unanimously well-qualified, that's supposed to be the Democrats' gold standard, yet they turn around and say that Judge Brasher is a racist, sexist, anti-immigrant homophobe. It's just, it's, it's, it's garbage and people are just tired of it. Well, and again, we're talking with Mike Davis, and uh point you to his website where there's lots of information on all these different judges, article3project.org, article, the number 3project.org, uh, to find out more. Uh, Brasher's through, though, and I love this, by the way. We used to do this when I worked for the governor of Missouri. We would have replace if you can replace, a, if you can promote a judge, you get to replace the one behind him. So now there's a district court opening uh, down there in, I guess, is the Alabama, so you get another one, another <laughs> another judge in there. Um, does If you had to bet, Mike, I know you can't read a tea leaf. But if you had to bet, um, is have we heard of the person who ends up on the Supreme Court next? I mean, you you have, you know everybody, but you know there's some names bandied about. But it could be one of these young guys or gals that comes up in this uh, effort and suddenly gets the the to be tapped. Right? What do you think? What do you think the likelihood that we already know who it would be is? You may know already. I mean, the president has put out a list and he's updated that list several times, and so. Uh, you know, there are currently, you know, there was Judge, Justice Gorsuch was on the list. Justice Kavanaugh was added to the list. Uh, so I think there are 24 people still on President Trump's list. I mean, there are a lot of good mm-hmm. names on there. Any one of them would be great for the Supreme Court. Uh, the, the names you often hear about are uh, Judge uh, Amy Coney Barrett on the Seventh Circuit. Uh, she was the former Notre Dame law professor who the Democrats said was too Catholic. Uh, to be on the on the Seventh right. Circuit, and that right. backfired on that, right. that, that, that backfired on them badly. Uh, there's Judge Amul Thapar, who is a phenomenal pick. Mm-hmm. He is down on the Sixth Circuit in Kentucky. Uh, one of Justice's former um, uh, law clerks is a new judge on the Fourth Circuit in uh, North Carolina. Judge Allison Jones rushing. There's Judge Greg Katzis on the D.C. Circuit, mm-hmm. who's just rock solid. I mean. I, I'm, I'm naming. I'm throwing out, you know, four names there. There are twenty. You know, there are so many names that, that the president has done such a good job over the last three years of finding 
uh, credentialing, appointing these these federal circuit court judges around the country, that there is no shortage of stellar picks uh, the, that the president can put on the Supreme Court. I mean, he is the president has truly transformed the federal judiciary. Very good. Well, Mike, uh, Mike Davis, thanks for your help uh, keeping us up to date. Keep us in the loop as things break. Uh, this Judge Brasher was a good example. I'm glad to get that information, get it out to folks. Sounds like just the kind of guy that we want on the bench. So appreciate it very much. Uh, Mike Davis, Article3Project.org. We'll put it up on social media. Got to take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Project Pro, excuse me, on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Julie Kelly is, of course, prolifically writing over at American Greatness, uh, amgreatness.com. You can always follow her on Twitter, one of the most memorable handles on Twitter, at Julie underscore Kelly, too, because there's a lot of Julie Kellys that use Julie underscore Kelly, so she had to do the number two after, to be clear. And her newest piece is called Christopher Ray Isn't the Right Man to Fix the FBI, which I know what happens, authors always say, I didn't write the headline, because that headline didn't need to be written. That's like self-evident. So, but anyway, welcome back, Julie Kelly. How are you? Good, Ed. Thanks for having me. Well, I just need to ask you about this. Now, Christopher Wray, head of the FBI, um, now he was hired under the Trump era. He's not a, he's not a holdover. Um, did you ever have hope that he would do the job, or did you know going in that he was probably not going to get this done? I did not have hope that he was going to get the job done, and nothing he has really done or said since he was confirmed as FBI director has you know, calm those fears. If anything, his activity, his actions or lack thereof, his public comments, his testimony only serves to underscore the fact that this, that he is not the man to reform a badly damaged uh, FBI that Americans need to have trust in. He's not the guy. Uh, we're talking with Julie Kelly. Julie, um, why Trump pick him? I mean, was this another Rosenstein deal where he trusted Rosenstein or why? Why would why did he pick him then? I don't know. I'm not really sure how they arrived at his name, um, but it should have been clear at the outset. You know, when you have somebody up there continuing to try to tell the American people that their FBI is worth is trustworthy, not the rank and file. We're not talking about those men and women. We're talking about the leadership that has been so corrupted, so polluted, so openly hostile, not just to the president, but to Americans. I mean, we saw the text between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and what they think about Americans they're supposed to defend and protect. And so he has not expressed any of the outrage uh, that really should come from somebody who understands the task at hand in restoring an American institution that has completely destroyed itself over the last three or four years. Um, Julie, when I'm reading your piece here, and again, it's at amgreatness.com, Christopher Ray isn't the right man to fix the FBI. And I, I'm down in the middle of this, and I, I'm, I'm, um, you know, this is one of the things that makes me just shake my head. How, how can they do this? What don't they even care what anybody thinks? Um, the uh, FISA court, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but the FISA court's presiding judge. Uh, appointed this David Chris to oversee the reform efforts. He's already had tweeted or written or said that, you know, well, there's there's a way to get Trump on other things and crimes. How, you know, did did um did does Ray have a role in that? Can he could he have said to the court, this is a bad guy to do this? Or was it Ray that recommended it? What's your sense of that? I don't know who recommended Chris. And just so people know, David Chris has been an outspoken Trump 
critic. He was a what we call a Russian collusion truther, right? So he's all, uh-huh. was all in on the Russian collusion hoax. The guy should not be anywhere near <laughs> reforming anything. In fact, he should be out of the business entirely. So I'm not really sure how the size of court judge, the presiding judge now, our acting presiding judge, uh, decided on him. But look, even when you look at the documents, and just so your listeners know, and they probably do, the FISA court came out after the Horowitz report, um, basically passing the buck that, oh, gee, we were you know, misled by James Comey, and we didn't have all the right information, and this was really their obligation. Well, no. Your federally appointed judge judges, you're appointed by the chief justice. Every single person on that court right now has been appointed by John Roberts. Um, there's no defense counsel there. It is it, it, The onus is on the judges to make sure before they sign off on a FISA warrant to use the most powerful government surveillance tools we have uh, that are access to. Against a private U.S. citizen, they better make sure what they have in front of them is correct and accurate and above reproach. And they signed off on a FISA application and three uh, renewals that used the Steele dossier, a joke of a document that used a Yahoo News article from a known political journalist, Michael Isakoff, as evidence. They signed off on this. And now after the Horowitz report came out, they're passing the buck and they're saying, "Okay, we need all these reforms, not of the FISA court. None of them have resigned in shame, which they should. Um, But, you know, this is this is just a procedural problem, you know, between the FBI and the Department of Justice and the FISA court. No, it isn't. You're all corrupt. You are all in on this. You should all be hanging your heads in shame. And some of you should be prosecuted for what you did. Uh, Julie, um, we're talking with Julie Kelly again at Julie underscore Kelly too on Twitter and also amgreatness.com, her piece. I'll put it up on social media. Um, you know, we've watched, this is overarching because you've written about different folks. You've got a sort of expertise in never Trumpers and these people that start, you know, have long last, long standing, uh, positions on the present and all, um, Clapper, Brennan, Comey, McCabe. The list is getting long. Strzok, Page. The list mm-hmm. is getting long of people who did something wrong, and now time marches on. You know, it's not just statutes of limitation that matter. It's just it starts to get out of the uh, of the sort of sweet spot of anybody's attention. And I know that's intentional, but it's infuriating to me. And meanwhile, Roger Stone, General Flynn, uh, you know, these others are are in the uh, in the um, you know, crosshairs. Uh, is there any, we've talked before, do you have any hope that we're going to, Durham's magic report is going to come out and, and put everybody in a hot seat, or are we just going to be talking about this in 10 years? I'm starting to have a little bit more hope, and the reason why is because you see this hysteria now this week about the Roger Stone um, sentencing recommendation and Barr stepping in and saying it was too harsh, which, of course, it was. So you see Barr being targeted again because they know that he's no nonsense. They know that they're out of aces, right? They've got no more smokescreen left. Mueller probe is over and ended, you know, futilely and embarrassingly. The impeachment ruse, that's over. They can't really concoct anything else to try to distract away from the real scandal, which is the weaponization corruption of the Justice Department under Barack Obama and his holdovers when Donald Trump took the White House. So they they can't think of anything else. So they, they kind of clamor onto these little nothings and turn them into a full-blown crisis because, to your point, Ed, they want to distract away from 
hopefully what Barr and John Durham, his point person on the investigation into the FBI corruption, um, that they are going to start naming that their indictments are coming soon. I think now that the Mm. Horowitz report is out and the FISA court has acknowledged um, the unlawfulness of at least two of the applications, um, you know, all of this is starting to build. And so that's what they're terrified of. So that gives me hope. Um, I'm looking at your Twitter feed again because I love to look at it, and you're always putting interesting stuff up. It has a lot of personality. Uh, a couple hours earlier today, stone filing. You're quoting from the stone filing. It says it was, quote, more than double the defendant's total offense level and disproportionately escalate the Devin, the de- defendant's sentencing exposure, which typically applies in cases involving violent offenses such as armed robbery, not obstruction cases, end quote. And, and later on today, you're, you're, tweet- you're retweeting somebody. I thought this is, this is exactly what everybody needs to say. And the retweet was, um, uh, I think it was, yeah, Kyle uh, Scheidler, guy appointed by duly elected POTUS to run the DOJ is running the DOJ, News at 11. I mean, finally, it feels like we have somebody running the Department of Justice. Uh, I, I mean, Barr seems like an all-star. You, are you still there with me on that? Oh, absolutely. And I think the fact that he's so no-nonsense, he doesn't care about the political pressure. In fact, I think it emboldens him in a way that scares them even more. And so the fact that he did step in and he's willing to take the bullets, he filed the separate filing today. He will happily go before the House Judiciary Committee, which there's news today that they're going to call him. He will happily go before them and explain exactly what happened. And it's important for people to know what Roger Stone was convicted of. Five charges of lying to Congress, one charge of witness tampering, and one charge of obstruction of justice. That is a day at the office for Adam Schiff, right? Here's a guy. (laughs) He does that on a routine basis, Adam Schiff. He's done all of that over and over, and yet he's heralded by the left as this hero, and Roger Stone gets his house raided by the FBI in pre-dawn hours, and it's dragged out in front of the public, and now they want him to serve the same amount of prison time that an armed robber or somebody who has child pornography on their computer, the same amount of time that those guys would. Yeah, it is... um yeah, it's insane. It actually is insane. But the great thing is that they did it. They tried to do it. And now the president and Attorney General Barr have pushed it back. So at least, you know, people say, hey, somebody's in charge and it's right. And as you point out, now it's going to send the left and Schiff and Pelosi into hysterics. And people are going to look at them and go, wait, that's what the government's, you know, president's supposed to run his department. So, uh, all right, Julie Kelly, thank you as always. It's been too long. Thanks. Julie Kelly at Julie underscore Kelly two on Twitter and amgreatness.com. We'll put it all up. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Some really good guests today. It's always good. I feel like I haven't talked to our old friend, um, Julie Kelly, in a long time. So it was great to have her uh, jump in, um, and it was really good to hear from her. All right, let me give you an update on the um, on the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday, and I, I got a text from one of you about what happened with it. Well, I should have been clearer, I guess, yesterday. The vote in the U.S. House, Pelosi will demand a vote tomorrow, Thursday morning. I'll be there in the gallery to watch it, watch the debate. Uh, Congressman Doug Collins, the great uh, Republican conservative from Georgia. Congressman, he's the uh, ranking member on judiciary. He'll be the one managing the debate in in opposition to it. So that will be happening tomorrow morning at about 9 o'clock Eastern time uh, till about 11. Uh, there'll be a vote sometime around 1045, I suspect, based on the numbers. Um, and here's what's going on. 
the Democrats have already their lemmings. You know, their lemmings in the House. They they, they took their dive off a cliff uh, for impeachment. So they're just doing what Nancy Pelosi says. So all the Democrats, in fact, most of them sponsored it. And, and maybe some Republicans are going to vote to pass what is effectively a unconstitu- an unconstitutional and stupid uh, law, an attempt to modify an expired constitutional amendment and take the expiration date off of it. So sounds like a dumb idea, especially since two days ago, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in an interview at Georgetown University School of Law said, eh, you can't do that. Uh, you got to start again. But in the world where facts don't matter, truth doesn't matter, the Constitution doesn't matter, voting on things that have no meaning don't matter, Nancy Pelosi is going to trot out for the feminists and for the far left, the ERA, and do this dumb show vote. It's stupid, it doesn't make any sense, and it's a loser. And so what are you, what are you getting out of it? She's getting fundraising. She's getting uh, a, um, you know, an award from the liberal, uh, you know, pro-feminist groups sometime. I mean, she's there's nothing accomplished. It's not going to pass the Senate. It's not going to pass the White House musters. None of it. Although, I mean, technically, I don't think it's a I think it would be I don't even know what it is. It's actually not a, a constitutional or legal entity because there's nothing to amend since it's already expired. Anyway, that's what's going to happen. It'll happen tomorrow. I'll give you an update tomorrow night. Earlier today, I did a conference call with Doug Johnson of National Right to Life because he is the most articulate at explaining how if you do ERA, you get abortion on demand as a constitutional right and must pay, must cover with tax dollars. You must pay for it. And so, you know, if people don't understand how it's unconstitutional, it's not legal, it's not operative, it's dumb, which is what the truth is, it does help to make clear to them that even if it was possible and you could vote for it, it would be promoting, overriding Roe v. Wade, overriding Doe v. Bolton, overriding all those laws and, and putting in the Constitution the requirement that abortion be covered with tax dollars and always be legal and available. That's what the, the pro-abortion groups say. That's what National Right to Life says. And uh, Doug is very good on that. If you go to my website, uh, phyllisschlafly.com, the organization that I head up, you'll see more on that. phyllisschlafly.com. You can go there and find out more and um, and follow the exact details of that. All right. A couple more uh, wrap-ups. I, I got a text uh, last night, very late. Here's a great example of, uh, of um, intensity. Uh, there was a, an analysis of when a president, incumbent president, will uh, win re-election. And one of the tests is if they face a major primary challenge. So Ford, in, in 1970, uh, 1976, he faced a major challenge from Reagan. In Bush, H.W. Bush, you had uh, the, uh, the challenges that were coming uh, from Perot and others. Um, and then Clinton, when you get up to Clinton, all of a sudden, so both of those Ford and Bush were 50% and 53% because they, uh, were challenged with a, a primary. So they were, in other words, they had to barely win a primary. And when they did, they ended up damaged. Clinton won by 86%, Bush 84%, Obama 80%, um, and Trump 86%, the highest of all of them, uh, and tied with Reagan is a Trump, meaning, if you don't have a serious primary and Bill Weld, in, in, uh, former Massachusetts governor and uh, Congressman uh, Joe Walsh, the former congressman, neither one of those is real. It kind of means you're not going to have trouble in your own race and therefore you can kind of compete uh, from the beginning and not have to battle it out. And, and the real reason there, I was listening to a podcast on this, the real reason that matters 
is you end up in these primaries with people who are disenchanted by the whole process. So the Democrats, we can see it already, the Bernie bros uh, or the Biden people that think that, you know, think that Bernie's too uh, extreme. You'll see the alienation. That's what's going on. So that was a good detail uh, that was sent to me. All right. Um, Coronavirus. The coronavirus now, it looks like it's been, quote unquote, contained, meaning no one was telling us is telling us out of China. I went to the EpicTimes.com to see what the Epic Times was saying because they're the best at covering this stuff. And even they just had a couple of things. I think they're being, basically being able to, China's being able to keep it close, keep it, uh, play it close, and we're not hearing much. But it's, um, there's, uh, uh, you know, an ongoing fear of the spread. And the reports are it's thousands dead, not hundreds, but thousands dead, uh, all in that area of the world. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, when that spreads. I did see this report that there was a um, misidentified coronavirus uh, exposure in the San Diego area uh, that was let out of the hospital by mistake. I think that was an error. I think it was an, a reporting error exactly on what the person was exposed to. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but, you know, the CDC has been doing briefings, and they have been saying that um, we should be prepared for coronavirus to be here. Um, they, they, they say it's not likely. Yeah, that's right. It was over at uh, Marine Corps Air Station Miramar was where there was uh, this mix-up. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that it was exactly coronavirus, although I'm not even sure that the reports are, are correct yet. But um, the CDC did do a, a, a briefing and said everybody ought to prepare for the fact that coronavirus is coming to America. You're not going to stop that. You can only hope that you're going to contain it and be careful about it, um, which is extraordinary to think um, about what could happen. So we'll see. All right. uh, Let's wrap things up here and um, give a little shout out. I want to give the websites. I I was talking to one of our guests who said it helps an awful lot when you uh, when we plug their websites because they get a lot of attention. So uh, earlier on the show, Julie Kelly. Uh, guest on the program, go to Am Greatness, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Uh, great website, uh, lots of reading there. In fact, Conrad Black, who's been on the show a number of times, has a good piece up there on uh, uh, Bill Barr. And the other website, uh, we just had um, uh, Mike Davis, article3project.com, uh, article, excuse me, .org, article3project.org. Uh, and you can find out more. And by the way, that's article with the number three project.org. Find out more about all these different judges and what's going on with uh, confirmations. As he mentioned at the end, one of the most important um, things that President Trump has done and is really transforming uh, the federal judiciary uh, pretty amazingly. Okay, the program is always available as a podcast. Go to iTunes, Google Play. You can also go over to uh, TheAnswerSanDiego.com, and you get the show all there. You can go to PhyllisSchlafly.com, our website for my work, and you'll see a link there also. Uh, remember, you can send me emails at ed at phyllisschlafly.com, ed at phyllisschlafly.com, and you can also go on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin, and on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. So all those places it's available. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our technical director. It's been a busy few weeks. We've been changing things up a bit, so thank you for his patience and forbearance, and for Joanna, who helps us book our guests out of the home office of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles in St. Louis, Missouri. Appreciate all that. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow night. As always, there'll be more to talk about on the Pro-America Report. I'm Ed Martin. We'll be back tomorrow night. Talk to you then.
America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego.